And anyone I catch talking about this young lady will be first beaten to death and then burned alive, and after that be kept on bread and water for six weeks. There. There. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Talking Beasts. From NarniaWeb.com. Where we explore the world of C.S. Lewis. And keep a watchful eye. On the latest Narnia movie news, this is Talking Beasts. Welcome to the season finale, everybody. This is Glumpuddle. And this is Movie Aristotle. And uh, we are going to be talking about the funniest moments in the Chronicles of Narnia today. Uh, I have to thank you right off the bat, wrangling all this together on short notice, just a few days to pour through all the Chronicles of Narnia and find your funniest moments. This is basically how it went. I got a text from Glumpuddle saying... Uh, hey, would you like to, you know, I have this idea for a podcast or something like that, and uh, would you be interested? And it was like, yeah, and okay, doing anything Friday night? And <laughs> it's, it's like, no, I'm a 35-year-old bachelor and a nerd. Of course I'm not doing anything on Friday I night. I could concoct a, a, an excuse of any kind to delay it. Um, so uh, here we are. So with just a, just like, I'm a researcher. Mm-hmm. So if I was going to do a podcast uh, by my own volition, I would probably go through and read through all the chronicles and rank with the a highlightest moments uh-huh. and everything. But there's no stone unturned. There was just wasn't time for that. So uh, instead, we uh, decided to crowdsource our answers. You decided it, which was a great idea because it is such an intimidating task. Anytime you have, uh, like when we did our, how do you think Rillian and I felt when we were doing the seventy greatest quotes in the Chronicles of Narnia? Um, so we are yeah. we are shamelessly stealing your answers, listeners. Yes, to the question. So this question went out on the Talking Beasts Facebook. Yes, and and to Patreon supporters, and to the Patreon supporters, and we got some great responses. Yes, and I actually have a couple of answers that are actually original as well. So you have some original ideas. Apparently, I'm so happy we're recording. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Um, but seriously, uh, the idea was it's been um, obviously 2020 was a tough year for most people and 2021 has been quite difficult as well, though there is certainly um, a big ray of hope on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Got my, I'm going to get my second shot in just a couple of weeks. Um, so that's great. But um, I, I wanted to end uh, the season on a really like, upbeat Note and said, "Well, let's go. Let's go through the funniest moments in the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, we will be back in the fall, by the way. So this is the season finale, but we are, of course, going to return in the fall. But wanted to leave you with something really upbeat, really quick. Uh, we were taught. We mentioned our Patreon supporters, and I just want to thank right at the top here uh, our Knights of Narnia Web. And that's our top Patreon supporters that make this podcast possible. And that's so huge. Thanks to Chris, Peter, Jaden, Lauren, Rebecca, Patrick's pal, Rydian." Louise, Matt, Roger, and Greg. Thank you for your support and your enthusiasm for this podcast. Appreciate it very much. And some of you uh, contributed um, some ideas for funniest moments to this episode. So thank you for that. Um, Basically, we're thinking the way this will work is uh, each of us have our top five funniest moments that we came up with. And by came up with, what I mean is, yeah, we we, we scrolled through the, the the comments from you guys and said, oh, that's pretty good, and put it on the list for and the most part. had a couple of original ideas. I, I think I have one or two as well. Um, and by, by funniest moments, we mean the funniest moments we could think of off the top of our heads or 
in the comments. It's not even like, oh, these are my funniest. It's just these are the funniest ones that I thought of or came across this particular the last few days in the two and, and a half it. days that we had to prepare. Yes. Um, <laughs> so um, I think the way we're going to do this is uh, each of us will come up with our top top five. Um, and then we'll go off with, I guess we'll, I guess we'll go back and forth and then we'll do some honorable mentions at the end there. Um, welcome back to the podcast, by the way. Hey, thanks. Um, I was just thinking, Hey, we're doing funniest moments. So what I need is, uh, who could I get that would just has this really lovely sense of humor and would just bring a lot of energy Aww. to the episode, but I, I couldn't think of anybody. So thanks for filling in. I appreciate it. You know, uh, anything <laughs> I can do to help. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we're each going to list our top five going back and forth. And what's great, the best part about that is that five plus five is 10 and 10 looks great in a clickbaity headline. So 10 funniest moments or something like that. So quick quote here, and then you can lead us off. Um, uh, As- this is Aslan just after he gives the talking beast the ability to talk. And he says, laugh and fear not creatures. Now that you are no longer dumb and witless, you need not always be grave. For jokes as well as justice come in with speech. With that, movie Aristotle, what's the first on your funniest moments in the Chronicles of Narnia? So when you were uh, putting out the call for these moments, the term moment was used very broadly. It's not necessarily a line that's particularly funny, but it Uh could be a scene or something like that. And so my first couple of examples aren't really like lines per se, but they're just circumstances that I personally find very humorous. In The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, there is a scene where our heroes, the Narnians, are trying to retake the Lone Islands with nothing but uh, their wit and uh, and a bunch of swords, and there's a huge fight scene. No, there's that's sh- in no, the, no, 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 that's not no, what happens. That's not in the book. Nope. Oh, okay. Um, so we, I know we recorded the commentary for Don Shredder, like you know, six months ago. So I can see how you could get that confused. Yeah. Okay. I I forgot which one I was recording for, but they have to retake the Lone Islands with nothing but their wit and with the, the power of the King's name. And so (laughs) they come into Gumpus's office. And to me, that entire scene is just delightful. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not exactly sure if it's laugh out loud, funny, but everything kind of nervously giggle funny. (laughs) There's, and there's tension there too, because of course, at any moment, you know, they could call the guards and escort them all to the dungeons. But mm-hmm. it's just, it's so funny how he, how Caspian just walks in and takes control of the room and uh-huh. how flustered Gumpus is. Totally unprepared, but just a total bureaucrat, completely unprepared for a real three-dimensional king right in front of him. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's part of the charm is, I, if I recall correctly, Lewis was not a fan of bureaucracy. So not like most people that are that are huge fans of bureaucracy. Exactly. I guess. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, that I think that shows up in the screw tape letters. It seems like a very you know, it seems like screw tape is a bureaucracy. It seems like hell uh-huh. is sort of a bureaucracy <laughs> there. And I just think that scene is lovely. It'd be great to put in a movie one of these days. Um, oh sorry, that hurt. Um I, I specifically love the moment when uh there's something about like Caspian has a, a keg of of wine op- or a mm. beer, excuse me, like and it's like the the, the men yes. didn't the men didn't understand kings or whatever, but they understood beer just fine. Um, <laughs> um, that is a fantastic example, and I love the screw tape example as well. That's a good point. That's where I feel fear 
I feel like Andy Serkis did the super evil screw tape, but actually screw tape having kind of a boring bureaucratic voice is probably be more <laughs> true to the concept. My but dear Wormwood. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm so glad. I, I, I kind of cheered a little bit when I saw you'd said that because I'm like, yes, that was one I almost put on my list, but went down to the honorable mentions. So now I don't have to feel so guilty. Whew. All right, your turn. First one on my list is from the Silver Chair. Um, I don't, I don't know if it has the kind of depth that your first one had, but I just think it's funny. I'll just go ahead and read it. The girls called Jill," said the owl as loud as he, as loud as it could. "What's that?" said the dwarf. "The girls are all killed. I don't believe a word of it. What girls? Who killed them?" "Only one girl, my lord," said the owl. "Her name is Jill." "Speak up, speak up," said the dwarf. "Don't stand there buzzing and twittering in my ear. Who has been killed?" Nobody's been killed, hooted the owl. Who? Nobody! All right, all right, you needn't shout. I'm not so deaf as all that. What do you mean by coming here to tell me that nobody's been killed? Why should anybody have been killed? I've always quoted that either for just no reason, like the girls are all killed, or if my wife will like shout something to me and I can't hear her, I'll be like, <laughs> what's that? The girls are all killed? And... Uh, I don't know if I have any kind of deep analysis for this. I just think it's really, really funny. And I guess it, it further establishes that Trumpkin, who we saw in Prince Caspian, is now super old. So it reinforces how much time has passed. Um, anyway, I just think it's quite funny. And you're That's not alone in that either, because uh, uh, Nathan in the Talking, I'm so sorry, I Talking Beasts Facebook page, Thank he you. also mentioned that. I forgot to mention that I stole that one off of Nathan. Thank you, Nathan, for reminding me of that one. I've added in the notes here and I overlooked it. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. All right, what, what's next for you? Oh, boy. Okay, so going back to my notes. So this one is also a scene. And I suppose, depending on how you interpret this, this might not immediately strike someone as funny but again for me this is delightful okay and this is uh, the scene in prince caspian where glazelle and sapespian are playing this game of reverse psychology to get miraz to accept the challenge of single combat with one foot in the grave see me it's all like they're they're completely they're they know exactly how to play him in order to get this particular response and they're kind of doing it by playing the wimps to a certain uh-huh. degree uh-huh. and uh, i think that's that's it's delightful whenever you have a character in any story or any drama who's really one of the smartest people in the room but they're just playing dumb uh-huh like i do every time that we that we this ex- speak to this each explains other explains so much and uh <laughs> And, uh, you know, kind of like that Columbo thing of, you know, there's just one thing that bothers me, you know, and <laughs> and really, you know, Columbo knows exactly who did it on the TV sh- movies or shows or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is one of those situations where we actually have two pretty smart guys who are are playing something that they're not in order to manipulate Miraz into a certain response. And it's just, it, it works so beautifully. There's a, certain, there's a certain poetry to that because Miraz is a, is a manipulator. That's what he does. Um, he, uh, so Ooh. now he's being manipulated. So there's a, kind of a poetic justice to that. I hadn't thought about that before. Tell me more. Uh, you're probably just playing dumb. I'm not falling for it. Um, uh, <laughs> no, no, really. No, uh, so you say Miraz is a manipulator. He, he's, you know, he's, yeah, he's gotten people to uh, like, you know, he had people um, beg him to become king, you know, and he's, mm-hmm. he, he's a very, he's very politically savvy. 
Um, well, that's true. And, and ruthless, of course, willing to you know kill his brother and stuff. Um, oh, yeah, but so that. the fact that he's uh, he's not the White Witch, he doesn't have a magic wand. He's just uh, he's clever, and the fact that he gets outwitted there. I find a certain poetic justice to that. And I think in the in the Walden movie, I thought that scene was even though it was changed, it was played yeah. fairly well and you could see that sort of twinkle in uh-huh. Edmund's eye. He's sort of joining in on this. Yeah. Well actually he's he's kind of the one instigating it in the film. Yes, and then the, and the, the other, other two, two are, are like, joining Yeah, in. great idea, Edmund. So I actually I did enjoy what they did with the scene in the movie. Um that I thought they that did some different with it, but it, it still honored what makes it funny. It in went book. in the right direction. Yeah. You know, Mira's kind of knew what was going on in the movie version, but it uh-huh. still it uh, it it hit the right chord of, yes. of him sort of being you know trapped into uh-huh. this sort of situation. I, I he, he doesn't see a, a better way than to accept it. I'm so embarrassed that didn't even make, make more honorable mentions. I just didn't think about it. Um, so thank you. There are a lot of books. Yes. All right, next one on my list. Um, this is one that it wasn't until like my fourth reading or so probably that I kind of caught this one. Um, so it's a part in The Horse and His Boy um, where uh, they're speaking very uh, – it's it's not the way people speak the rest of the book. They're in Tashban, and Lasserilene and Erebus are hiding and overhearing uh, the Tisrock um, and Rabidash talking. Uh, and of course, the vizier is there, um, and uh, Rabbitess loses his temper and kicks uh, the vizier. And uh, let me just read it from there. Desist, O oh my son," said the Tisrock. "And you, estimable vizier, whether he desists or not, by no means allow the flow of your eloquence to be interrupted. For nothing is more suitable for persons of gravity and decorum than to endure minor inconveniences with constancy. To hear is to obey," said the vizier wriggling himself round a little so as to get his hinder parts further away from Rabidash's toe. So um, I think um, I-, I have a tendency during some of these scenes during my first reading, my first few readings, at least to kind of skim a little bit because of the way they're talking. I find just a little bit challenging, I guess. Um, and so like the humor is lot was lost on me a little bit. We have the vizier getting kicked and then is uh, the Tisrock tells him if he kicks you in the butt again, uh, just uh, please don't let it interrupt you. <laughs> um, to just go ahead and, and go on, just, just like normal. Um, and I, I love the fact that in the middle of everyone speaking so eloquently and so, oh, yes, we are the most important people in the world, we have a joke about someone getting their butt kicked. And uh, I, link, I think that in this context, because of the way they're speaking, I find that funny, especially like the way it, and he says in this very long, drawn out, the heightened wordy language. way, it, 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 I just somehow missed this the first few times. <laughs> and I find that uh, very funny. Now, tell me in the comp, like, did you know that was there from the very first reading or did you, did you pick up on that later? Am I, am I the only one that it took me that long to get, pick up on that? Are you asking the listeners, or are you asking I'll, me? I'll go and ask you, I guess. Okay, listeners sure. too. Give me the comp. I mean, the I'm the section. only one here physically, so I, since you were looking at me, I, I wasn't sure. Sorry about that. No, okay. Um, to be honest, I didn't remember that this scene even existed until someone mentioned it. Uh, was that in the? Was that a Patreon supporter, or was that in on? Facebook. I'm so sorry. Someone I mentions that. Uh, Colonel Clink mentioned this Colonel one. Clink thank you for reminding it. me. Yes, thank you, Colonel Clink, for reminding me of that scene. Okay, so good. Um, so I'm glad I'm not the only one. That this somehow just sort of washed over it, me. Yeah, I, I missed it. I missed <laughs> it, apparently. Or it just didn't stand out to me 
so much. It's just that you know, these people are talking like they're so grand, and then you realize they're so not, though. They're, they're just people. <laughs> All right, what's next on your list? There is a, a line from Lazareline who uh, is... Thank God this is on your list. ...threatening uh, her servants. And uh, so let's see, where do I pick it up here? Um, Lazareline would have gone indoors at once, but Erebus reminded her in a frantic whisper to say something to the slaves about not telling anyone of their mistress's strange visitor. Sorry, darling, it had gone right out of my head, said Lazareline. Here, all of you, and you, doorkeeper, no one is to be let out of the house today, and anyone I catch talking about this young lady will be first beaten to death and then burned alive, and after that be kept on bread and water for six weeks. There. There. <laughs> Job done. Yes. It's uh, well you go first. <laughs> well, it took me a while to uh it it took me a while to remember that one. In fact, that one might have been brought to my remembrance by Rachel on Facebook. So thank you, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Uh but that's one which is like, oh, of course. That is one of the highlights as far as lines are concerned of what's what's funny in the chronicles. And mm-hmm. and I don't know, is she just she's just she just doesn't realize what she's saying. She's just trying to come up with something impressive yeah. or well, what's going on well, there. Well, what I get the sense is, uh, and first off, I think one of the reasons this is funny is that it's not played as comedy. It's just, it right. just is. She just says it. Oh, sure. Um, like, there's no, like, and then Erebus, and then Erebus, like, look, was confused or something like that. It's just, it's just there. Um, it's, I think there's, there's a dark side to this. Um, this is really darkly funny, I think, because to me, it's like, she just has this, like, laundry list of, it just shows how detached she is from the people that she has authority over. She, I think she just has this laundry list of punishments that she just kind of regurgitates at random. It doesn't really think about it. She'll just say, mm. like, like, oh, I haven't been kept on bread and water for six weeks. And then a moment later, she's forgotten about it. Um, and so she's not thinking through, like, but how would that actually work to be beaten to death and then burned alive and then kept on British? Do you realize what's happening? No, she doesn't. She just has this random, it was probably taught to her or she's, copied it from someone else or something and she's not even really thinking about it she's just saying blah 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 blah. there it's been taken care of all she knows is when i say these words and threaten these things people do what i want um (laughs) that's all she knows so to me there's this dark like she she's so detached from what she's doing and the effect she has on people's lives well now that you put it that way (laughs) like i'm kind of sorry i put it on my list man i didn't know that. but but i like that like it's funny that way it's funny and then it makes me nervously giggle um what sort of a person does that make me that i didn't realize that i don't know i don't know i don't know we'll talk about the 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 darkest moments narnia one of these days maybe this will be on that list as well that'll be an odd podcast but but, but right on cue the next the next one i know exactly what i would put on that podcast the boys turning into pigs in Prince Caspian. That's which, but, but, but so which, strange. But which could also be on the on this list as well. I think. Tell us. Could be. That's interesting. That, that There's th- some odd stuff. Those in are Prince two. Caspian. Those are two examples that could be in the like the the dark the darkest moments or the funniest moments. This could be a poll. Is it funny or is it, is funny? it just really? Strange. And you have to people have to be careful how they comment. Like, what are they going to think of? What if I say that this is funny? Um, but that's right on cue. No one would vote in that <laughs> poll. Be like, what? This is online forever. I'm uh-huh. not voting. Right on cue. The next one on my list uh, is one that I think it's it's probably the op- like the one you just mentioned is funny initially. And then I think about it, and ooh, there's a dark side to that. This one's kind of the opposite. I think it's initially dark, but the more I, th- I think about it, the more I find it kind of funny. But it's from the last battle, and it's simply. 
uh, Tash talking to Rishta in the, the stable, and he says, Thou hast called me into Narnia, Rishta Tarkhan. Here I am. What hast thou to say? I love the... I I I nervously giggle about this. I, I the idea that Rishta has just been. And I mentioned I talked about some of this on my you know my this was one of my set my my seventy greatest lines list um, episode. But it's Rishta has been playing with fire. He's been saying, "Oh yes, the great god Tash and Aslan and Tash and blah 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 blah," and he he doesn't believe in Tash, so he he's just been using his name blah 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 very freely and then all of a sudden there's tash right in front of him a little bit like the gumpus thing i guess where he's just been talking about the king and the king's name and here's the king right here but um i imagine that the absurdity of that situation of oh my gosh i did not realize what i was doing when i was using the name of tash and here he is in front of me and i find myself kind of laughing at rishta and also feeling really bad for him. Imagine his utter terror. Um, that moment realizing he's looking at this horrifying person, realizing he's been using his name so freely. Um, I find that you seem like you have no idea why this is on my list right now, but no, I find this I darkly do. funny. There's there's a there's uh, a bit of comeuppance there, and you're yes. just ah okay now uh-huh. now he's in for it. So there's, there's I, I feel bad for him too, though I really do. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I suppose. Let me think about that. Do I feel bad for him? It's I suppose. I mean, that, he's he's in for it. It's so. just anyone with feeling that amount of like, yeah, it's poetic justice. He's the bad guy. You shouldn't. Uh, someone in the book says you shouldn't call on gods if you don't really mean it. Um, and, um. I just feel bad for anybody feeling. I just imagine his knees just buckling and him feeling so. He used to think he was so big. Now he feels like the smallest thing in the universe. And there's, um, I I find myself laughing for him and saying, "Yes, this is how it should be." But I don't know. I find myself feeling for him too at the same time. Well, it wouldn't have been on my top five list, but okay. uh, there, you know, there you go. I just now, love that. It, it makes me giggle, like giggle, giggle, and like nervously giggle. Like, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like that. I like yours better. Um, is, uh, is this one original to you or? Yes, it is. is. Thank you okay. for asking. This is actually, this is, there's one and then there's one other that's original to me. Thank you. Oh, okay. I, right. I, I, I didn't see anyone bring this one up. Okay. So well, maybe people will be like, there might be you? a reason for that. Yes. Let me know in the comments. All right. What do you think of Glumpuddle's sense of humor? Tell us all about it in the comments. Please. What's next? Oh, boy. Uh, for me, this one was a popular one. Uh, I saw, uh, let's see, who was it? Do we have Caitlin and Rebecca and Luke all mentioned this one. And uh, I do have to say this one. You'd think that as a guy, a particularly sensitive guy, that... I wouldn't like this particular line, but to me, it's just so witty and so funny this is going. that I have mm-hmm. to go with it. It's from Prince Caspian, and uh, so they're they're winding their way uh, towards Aslan's Howl, and uh, that's the worst of girls," said Edmund to Peter and the dwarf. "They never carry a map in their heads. That's because our heads have something inside them," said Lucy. That. That was a very popular one. That was a very popular one. It's just funny. And even though they gave uh, the line over to Peter in the movie, I think they played that that setup and that delivery very, very yeah. nicely. 
Uh, it's not the kind of line you would expect them to use in the movie either, because it's such a throwaway little moment. Um, really? You think it's throwaway? I think it's funny. Well, that you could you could cut it from the book and it wouldn't affect anything at all. It's, it's just true. funny, and that's all the only purpose it serves, which is, only, which, is which is totally fine. But it, it, to me, it just it it. I'm not saying I'm I regret that it was in the movie. I am glad it was in the movie. I think they, I agree they did a nice job with it. Mm-hmm. But it seems like, oh, these people are actually reading. This is a part where they're not just reading. They're not just like grabbing the Wikipedia version of Prince Caspian in Lord of the Rings eyesing it as much as possible. Like, oh, thank God. The screenwriters are actually reading the book and going, that's funny. Let's put it in there. By the way, Courtney, Patreon supporter, mentioned this one as well. But I should mention that it is the opposite in this house. Uh, my wife is the one that can carry the map in her head. Mm. And I still, uh, sometimes to get to work, need to, uh, like, Google map it <laughs> because if, especially if I have to take a, a slightly unfamiliar route because of traffic or whatever, I'm like, you call uh, your wife <laughs> and you say, hey, and if my wife's not available, then I got to ask Siri. <laughs> um, exactly. So where was work again? <laughs> it's in the basement, honey. We're all working from home now. It, 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 oh. It's been easier. Yes, it's, it's been easier lately. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was a very popular one. I'm really glad it was on your list. Um, next one for me. Uh this just before you arrived, actually, I decided to um, insert this one into my list. Um, this is from Rebecca and Tim. Well, one word, Re- Rebecca and Tim together. I, get, I don't know if that's one person and their name is Rebecca and Tim or... I'm guessing it's two people who share the same Facebook page. That is one theory. Um, so this could be from Rebecca or Tim. Possibly one of them never even read the Narnia books, but here's their name being dragged through the mud on a Narnia podcast. I do apologize for that. Whether Rebecca it's Rebecca or Tim... Or Tim Whoever it is. You know, this this joke doesn't have as much mileage as I thought. Um, okay, so this is from uh, The Silver Chair. When the police arrived and found no lion, no broken wall, and no convicts, and the head behaving like a lunatic, there was an inquiry into the whole thing. And in the inquiry, all sorts of things about Experiment House came out, and about ten people got expelled. After that, the head's friends saw that the head was no use as a head. So they got her maid an inspector to interfere with other heads. And when they found that she wasn't much good even at that, they got her into Parliament, where she lived happily ever after. Uh, Speaking of bureaucracy, and uh, not liking bureaucracy. Um, now, the thing I want to mention about that, I've always laughed at the last part of that, of uh, she got into Parliament and lived happily ever after because she her utter incompetence made her fit right in. Um it, when I read it recently, it was the middle part of that I'm more related to. Um, in my career, I have had people, uh, the middle part where it says, and when they found she was not, not much use as a head, they got her made an inspector to interfere with other heads. <laughs> Just like, well, why, why are you making her an inspector if she's not good as a head herself? Um, in my career, I should be careful. You never know who's going to listen. But in my career, I have had, pe- you know, been under people who don't know. They think they know more about my area of expertise than I do, and maybe they don't. Um, so I, 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 I maybe hypothetically, and uh, and so I found myself recently uh, when I encountered that uh, um, relating to uh, relating to that. Um, would, so, you, um, would you like to go into detail? Would you like to name any names? Uh, maybe in the post-show chatter. So if you really want to know, <laughs> Patreon supporters. <laughs> not actually. This is not actually going to happen. <laughs> there is um, a lot of humor that is found. Maybe you can find this on Facebook. But somebody mentioned um, about the narrator's humor. There's a lot of great 
narrator humor. And that's really that that's why uh I think perhaps I'm not doing this podcast justice without reading like all seven books over again. And they're, because, they're easy to forget. Because the a lot of the funniest moments come from the narrator just inserting his opinion into the storyline. Often uh, kind of unexpectedly, yeah. And uh, it's just, it's great. And so I'm going to sneak an extra one in here because um, I just realized that I have six mm. instead of five. But okay. the... <laughs> you must choose! And by just, I mean like, I what don't know, up? 20 minutes ago after we started recording. But anyway... <laughs> Um, there's the, the line, the opening line of Voyage of the Dawn Treader, where there once was a boy named Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. There was a it. boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub, that's how it starts, and he almost deserved it. So straight from the opening line of Voyage of the Dawn Treader, not only do you have an idea of this character that we've just been introduced to, but you also get an idea of the narrator's opinion yes. of this character, and it puts you in the right direction right from the very beginning. And Lewis does a, a, the same sort of thing throughout the Chronicles. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm blanking on them all right now, but uh, but fortunately, we have listeners who can tell us about those sorts of moments in the comments, or just read the book again yourself, and you'll find, the all, those, yeah. you'll find all those moments yourself. That, that, that's definitely one of my favorite openings to a book ever. Um, yeah, especially with in light of, when you, you know the background that Clive Staples Lewis wasn't very fond of his name either. Um, and uh, one thing one things I like about it is that either people read that and either they get it or they don't either they just completely immediately go ah and they laugh or they just go what i don't get it it has to be explained to them and that i'm actually one of the people i'll admit that it kind of had to be explained to me uh what he was saying there and i i just i love that it's either you you can't explain why either you just instantly relate to it and understand the joke or you don't and so justine in the facebook group she had this great quote she says um additionally for me much of the humor in narnia comes from the narrative voice and some of his asides to the reader e.g the fate of experiment house and how the head got into parliament and lived happily ever after Mm -hmm. so that brings us right back around to uh the end of your point there so voila I just snuck that one in there. So you're not counting that as one then. You're saying like, oh no, that's more of a comment. No, I'm commenting on your comments. And also Nikki is commenting on your comments. I've heard this kind of argument um, regarding copyright infringement. It's like, no, no, I'm just using this to make a point about something else. I need this background music to strengthen my point. It's fair use. No. Um, Anyway. So anyway, it's my turn. (laughs) Okay, it is your (laughs) No, it's no, no, it's no, no, it's not. I'm not giving you that. Let. I want to list my one. I like this one. I've been waiting to talk about it. Okay. So we'll come back right. to you if Go you want. Go for it. Go for um, it. Uh, Colonel Clink mentioned rightfully so, and, and he emailed me and said, um, quote, I just feel like the magician's nephew doesn't get enough credit for how funny it is, and I'd appreciate it if you and movie Aristotle could fix that a little. Uh, despite only one making my top five for whatever reason, like whenever I reread The Magician's Nephew, that is definitely the thing I notice every time is how much funny stuff is in there. Even though it's if we think of it as you know, being a really heavy book, obviously, with, you know, Diggory's mother dying and stuff. Um, we, um, there is a lot of really dry humor, too. And my favorite example of that is, uh, I'm going to begin with Queen Jadis saying, The weight of the world is on our shoulders. We must be freed from all rules. Ours is a high and lonely destiny. 
Diggory suddenly remembered that Uncle Andrew had used exactly the same words, but they sounded much grander when Queen Jada said them, perhaps because Uncle Andrew was not seven feet tall and dazzlingly beautiful. And I, I love that line because it's so dry. Like for me, it's like the first time I read it, it's like I'm halfway through the next sentence. Then I go, oh, wait, wait a second. Um, <laughs> it's just so matter of factly. And I love the little bit of truth under it that, you know, the exact same words coming from, you know, Uncle Andrew in his study don't sound as exciting or credible as Queen Jadis of Charn saying it. But it's exactly the same thing. Uh, and so I, I, I love the little truth that reveals um, about the world. Other than that, Magician Magician's Nephew, that's not a funny book. Is that a funny book? It ha- I mean, I'm not going to call it a funny book, but there's lots of really great dry humor uh, in the book. Uh, we could talk about, okay. I don't know if it's dry humor, but uh, obviously the whole thing of the first joke. Now, um, now again, I'm responding to your comment. See, this isn't an official one. Think, see, I never thought the first joke was funny. The, the, the first joke itself is not that funny. And the first joke oh, is- Oh, you're right. The second joke is not funny. No, wait. No, no. The first joke so the, is. Go ahead. The first joke is basically, um, you know, a, a, everyone gets quiet all of a sudden, and then the jackdaw says, you know, um, says something loud. I, I can't remember what it is. It's not actually that funny. Um, but the point is, like, everyone feels this urge to laugh, and they don't. They're holding it back, and that's what Aslan says. The quote I said at the beginning of the episode was like, "No, it's okay. You can laugh." And then they do. So the jackdaw says, um, "You know." Did I just say the first joke? And Aslan says, no, 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 you didn't say it. You've only become the first joke. So if you define joke as just a thing that we laugh about, then yeah, I guess it's a joke. It's The funny part is him saying, have I been the first joke? The, the actual joke itself is not that funny. But the idea that we're in this world that was just created, him being like, will it always be said that I made the first joke? I just think that's a really cool, that's a really funny thing to think. Um, okay, now that you put it that way. Uh, no, okay, now I see. Now I see. Sometimes it's a matter of interpretation. Like, how do you how do you uh-huh. understand the scene and whatnot? Yeah, the actual joke itself is, if you even call it a joke, is not that funny. Um, but I, I relate to that. That There's a bit in the book The Martian where he talks about, you know, he's stuck on Mars for, like, years and everything he does, oh, I'm the first one to do that. If I kick a rock, that rock hadn't moved for a million years, you know, and I'm the first one person to do everything. Um, and this is like a comical kind of a twist on that. Or I guess The Martian was the serious twist on Lewis's thing. Um, <laughs> one or the other. Yeah. So you don't think that that Aslan's just being a bully? I think, well, he, well Aslan's making a joke, isn't he? Or he's saying yeah, something Yeah, but is funny. he doing it at, at the uh, Jackdaw's expense? I think if the Jackdaw would take would um I think if he's the kind of person that would be happy to be forever known as the person that made the first joke, I somehow think he'd be totally fine with also being the first joke. That he would just 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 going down in history as something is the main thing. Um so and I think Aslan probably knows that. Um I don't think I don't think he took offense is what I'm trying to say. Okay. All right. Well, that makes me feel a lot better about could, that scene. If, if I could be the first person to ever like awkwardly say something during a really, everybody got quiet and I awkwardly blurted out something, you know, it's be like, Hey, if that gets me on, um, if that gets me into the trivial pursuit game is like the first person that did that. I'll take it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I believe it. Okay. I believe it firmly. Um, are we at the end here? Well, it depends on uh, it depends on how you fine, count because fine. Okay, yes, all right. Just so make it quick. Here's my here's my official top one uh, from uh, from my list because I just I think this is so funny 
and uh, uh, credit goes to Colonel Clink for uh, for thinking of this one as well. Colonel Clink, he 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 really has an eye for humor, which makes sense because Colonel Clink was in a. A sitcom TV show. So there you go. The, well, the character was the character. It, to of my Colonel knowledge, Clink was yeah, in the, the listener. I don't know. Maybe, he maybe he was. might have been too. Maybe, he was. maybe it was a different. Sitcom. He was in the seventieth. It was in the seventieth anniversary video. And did a great job. So I don't know. There you go, Colonel Clink. If you're ever in a sitcom, post it below in the comments. <laughs> we love we love to see it. Uh, but this comes from the uh, the last page of the horse and his boy. And uh, oh, here we go. And. <laughs> And uh, here it says, uh, Erevis also had many quarrels, and I am afraid even fights with Kor, but they always made it up again, so that years later, when they were grown up, they were so used to quarreling and making it up again that they got married, so as to go on doing it more conveniently. (laughs) Oh, I love the pause before more conveniently, not just doing it. More conveniently. More conveniently. <laughs> it would be more convenient, I suppose. I mean, if you're going to fight with someone uh, for the rest of your lives, I mean. That's pretty much why I got married. Oh, sorry. We'll have to edit that out. Um, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is. Mrs. Uh, Glumpuddle just said, I heard that I, 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 in the background. I, I, I can confirm that it is, in fact, more convenient. <laughs> okay, then. Well, I. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I keep fighting with people the inconvenient way. Oh, so there you, you go. You gotta wise up. Um, there you go. Um, okay. Uh, before before we uh, so we have uh, a bunch of honorable mentions we want to get to. I do really quickly want to um, read a few comments from our Patreon supporters that uh, reference some moments that didn't make our list. Um, Michaels says, "Quote." I'm a bit of an Eeyore myself, so Puddleglum always cracked me up. One of my all-time favorites, albeit a little dark, is, and you must always remember there's one good thing about being trapped down here, it'll save funeral expenses. That is funny. Thank you. Uh, I also, he says, I also liked, it is a very funny thing that the sleepier you are, the longer you take about getting to bed. I always thought that was very relatable. Ha ha. That's uh, relatable. I never thought of it as funny, per se, but I do, I do think about that like when it's two in the morning and I'm like... Huh, I was going to bed three hours ago. It Why says am I not right here, yet? it is a funny thing. There you go. So I, I, Clive Staples has just settled, settled it for us right here. All right, it's funny. There you go. Um, and we have one from Courtney as well. Courtney said, quote, uh, in reply to that, I love Puddle Glum too. Must admit, even as a kid, I cracked up at the scene in the giant's house where he gets drunk, though he insists afterwards that he was putting it on, well, mostly, and progressively garbles very respectable Marsh Wiggle into Respectowiggle. Um, and then she went on to talk about the girls, their map in their heads. One, and of course, Puddleglum's my favorite character. Um, but somehow, I have to talk about it at some point. I don't think of him. It is surprising that the Puddleglum one didn't make my list. But I don't know. Maybe I, huh. I, I don't think Puddleglum is as comical of a character as other people do. I'll say that. But maybe that's for another episode. He's um, a tragic character? No, I wouldn't say that. Um <laughs> Well, th- that's for another episode. The tragedy of Puzzle Glove. Uh, Luke and Colonel Clink uh, were uh, took the time to write me an email, and they both mentioned um, a bit at the end of an er- one of the early chapters in The Horse and His Boy that says, you know, Lewis begins, you know, Erebus is about to te- begin telling her story, and Lewis writes, In Callerman, storytelling, whether the stories are true or made up, is a thing you're taught just as English boys and girls are taught essay writing. The difference is that people want to hear the stories whereas I never heard of anyone who wanted to read the essays. 
So a bit for a bit of Lewis's academic background um, shining through. Um, <laughs> See that that's what makes it funny is knowing that this well that helps this Oxford Don is actually making this comment like how many essays did he have to write and uh-huh. how many essays did he have to read. Uh-huh. I just love that it comes out of nowhere, even if you don't know that. It, it's just uh, it, it's a joke that's like, oh, it, you to, there's a little beat before you realize, oh, that was a joke. Um, so if you're probably listening to this going, I can't believe they got to the end of the episode and that's the end of the season, by the way. And they didn't mention Fill the blank. Yes. Um, we're going to do that right now and go through um, some of our honorable mentions, things that didn't quite make the list. But we're going to save that for the post-show chatter. So we'll include a link to the next part of this discussion uh, in the description. Thank you, Patreon supporters. Um, Thank you. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and take us out of this season. We are going to be back in the fall. But that's it for this season of Talking Beast, everybody. Uh, hope this brightened your day. Hope it brightens your summer. Uh, get vaccinated. Um, let me go ahead and just take read the outro, and then we'll continue in the post-show chatter. You've been listening to Talking Beast, the Narnia podcast from NarniaWeb.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and give us five stars on iTunes. Post a comment on NarniaWeb.com or in the Talking Beast Facebook group. Visit Patreon.com slash NarniaWeb to support this podcast and to get exclusive content, including more episodes. You can also email me at glumpuddle at NarniaWeb.com. Special thanks to A.J. Aiken, our assistant editor. That's it for this season of Talking Beasts. We'll see you next fall. Until next time, further up and further in. Getting dark now. Always does at night.